Bye. This, um, that really is the essence of the story of Easter. <sighs> wow. Um, I'm excited to spend Easter with all of you because the story of Jesus Christ and what he did changed my life radically. And it will never be the same. And that is, you know, this little skit, you know, is, is, gives you sort of the essence of it. But that is what's so astounding about the story of Easter is the concept of the fact that we are so undeserving and yet it's Jesus who was as good as they come, who never hurt anyone, who was all loving and all kind, that he did step in and pay the price for our sin and our shortcoming. That is the story. And how's that tie-in with vision? Because now we're in our vision series. Oh, I'm Nancy, by the way, if I don't know you. So we're doing a series on live your vision. And there's a couple of ways. Number one, I would say Jesus was pretty clear about vision. Jesus is pretty, you know, easy to argue, the most popular human being that ever lived. The well, you know, the the most famous person that ever walked the face of the earth that had the most impact of any human being that ever walked the face of the earth was Jesus Christ. So could we learn something about vision from Jesus? I would say so. I would say we could, he could teach us a thing or two about when it comes to vision for our lives. So we're going to take a look at some of the things we can learn about that as well as the story of what he gave and sacrificed and what it means for us can actually help us to get clearer on our own life's vision. That the, the moral of the story is that if Jesus Christ thought that we were worth it, then why not make our lives really matter and make our lives really count? So let's take a look. And um, if you have Bibles, or if you're old school like me, and um, <laughs> I do have the U version too, but it's just... It's harder for me to use it in this situation. So it's Romans. We're going to start off in Romans 5, if you want to uh, get started there. It's really interesting because I was raised an atheist, hardcore, militant, and I was proud to be an atheist. I was, Of course, I was taught that. I made fun of Jesus Christ regularly, which... Now it just sort of um, shocks me, but I mean, it was what it was. I made fun of Christians. I thought they were the stupidest, most ridiculous people on the face of the earth. I thought Christianity, the Bible was ridiculous and stupid. And I ridiculed Jesus. And But you know what? I mean, I was a young person and, um, you know, I was raised in a home um, that was very abusive and didn't want to live. You know, I, every day of my life, I thought about dying. That's how dark things were. And I was alone without God. And one day, someone shared with me the, the message of Easter, of what Jesus Christ did. Somebody told me. And I, I was shocked. I mean, I knew about Jesus, and I knew he got crucified. But somehow, I just did not know or had ever heard that he loved me but just the way I was. And then he gave his life for me just the way I was. And that unconditional love changed my life. I had never known love like that. There is no other love like that. When you think of unconditional love, and we all need that desperately, 
We need to be loved unconditionally. And there's nothing like the sacrifice of Jesus Christ as far as unconditional love goes. We might have people that we go, oh, they love me unconditionally. Well, <laughs> really? <laughs> it's a nice thought. <laughs> I would aspire to that. And I think most of us, you know, want to aspire to that. But in reality, as far as how much we play it out, you know, our love is oftentimes conditional. But not with Jesus Christ. So the idea that hit me and was overwhelming was when this this woman told me that Christ paid the price for me right now. And it just, part of it was just like, it was stunning to me that I made so much fun of Jesus that that just pierced my heart. Talk about feeling like unworthy of his love. That in that state, he would still give his life. So, in Romans 5, it says in verse 6, for when we were still without strength. And think about what that means for you individually. You know, there's a lot of ways as far as the without strength. Without strength, the word is actually like weak. You know, in the places that we are weakest, that we are lacking the most, it says, in for when we were without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. You know, I don't know why, why, you know, it's just kind of crazy making that so many people try and earn God's love. You ever tried that? It's weird because it's just the opposite. You know, people, and I think it's because of the fact that people do tend to have conditional love and we're so, we're conditioned to thinking that way. I have to deserve being lovable. You ever felt that way? I feel undeserving of being lovable. And so... It says, for scarcely for a righteous man would one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. Now, you might have right now somebody you're willing to die for. It's not, it's, it's not that common, right? You don't see it happening a lot where somebody is willing to give their life for another. Oftentimes parents for children feel that way. That would be the closest usually to where people are willing to sacrifice their lives. So think about it in terms of right now, there might be somebody that you'd be willing to give your life for. But it's somebody you love, it's somebody you care about, it's somebody that matters to you, like perhaps a child. But it's really interesting. Think about, it says, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now, been, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. So it says that while we were enemies of God, have you ever thought of yourself as an enemy of God? <laughs> you know, we... We oftentimes in life are in complete opposition of God and his purposes in the things that we do. So think about, would you die? You might have thought, okay, I'd die for my child. What about, think right now of the person that you would consider your worst enemy, if you have one, or the person that you despise the most. Everybody's got somebody they don't like, right? Yes, you do. 
Think of somebody that is the most loathsome person to you. Now, or you can even think about somebody that is the most hideous criminal that you could think of. The most unworthy. There's some pretty heinous crimes out there, so think about that. What would it look like to give your life for that person that you despise the most or that you loathe the most or that has been the most undeserving? And that's basically the message of Jesus Christ is that it's when we were at our most undeserving, it's because we were dead in trespasses and sins, and that's when he stepped in and gave his life. Now, what is, you know, it's kind of interesting because most of what holds us back in vision is feeling unworthy, of feeling not good enough. Isn't that the thing that gets in the way usually? You're not worth it. You're not good enough. You fall short. Who am I? A part of when we think about vision, there is nothing greater to get our worth than the fact that the greatest price of all was sacrificed for us. Because guess how you know the value of a thing? The value of the thing is not the price you put on it. I could, this chair, I could say, I could put a price tag, $1 million. (laughs) It could be that. Is it really worth a million dollars just because I put a million dollar price tag on it? No, it's not. It's just like, you know, put a tag on there all you want. Nobody's going to pay it. What something is worth is what someone's willing to pay. So what does it say about your life that the greatest price ever paid? Is there any price greater than the life of Jesus Christ was paid for you? So what's your value? God says you're worth it. Jesus Christ says you're worth it. So what's exciting about that is if we own that, if we believe it, and say, I believe, I believe that, because of all he gave, what does that do to help us want to live for him and want to make our lives count? makes me want to make my life count. Let's go to um, 1 Peter 1. And this actually is the, <laughs> says kind of just what we were talking about in, um, in essence. It's 1 Peter chapter 1 in verse 18. It says, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold, which, you know, it's kind of funny because they use silver and gold. Anybody think silver and gold usually indicates value, right? Those are kind of most precious metals, you know, we have, uh, or among the most precious metals. So, but it's kind of funny in this verse, it's saying, maybe if you were redeemed with money, you like, oh, think about a ransom. That's silver and gold, right? You think about what would somebody be willing to pay money-wise for your life that way. That would feel pretty good. Wow. You know? But it says, ah, that's just corruptible things from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a a lamb without blemish and without spot. For he indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. So... 
there we go. It's just illustrating what we talked about with the chair is that we were redeemed. The word redeemed means bought. It literally means bought. We were bought just like the skit. It says that the wages of sin are death, meaning, you know, it's, it's like you get the, the cost of sin is death. And that's what happened with Adam in the beginning and the fall of Adam and then the sin nature that was passed on. And so it's literally, <clears throat> I mean, in the skit, it was life in prison. But with, you know, with Jesus and the story of Jesus, it is the death penalty. It is stepping in for and paying the price of his life that way. So that's what it's, we're bought, it says, with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus was born without sin nature. And so he was able, he's the only person that had the ability, but he chose, he lived a life that was sinless. That he didn't do anything, you know, like nothing. Like he lived a life of love. He lived a life of being obedient to God. And so just like in the skit, it was like the not the person that should be making the payment, but that's but that's what he did was paid the price. Let's go to um <clears throat> Hebrews chapter twelve. Go back to Hebrews. And um of course we've got it up here too, so you don't even need to be flipping around. I can't see it though, so um <clears throat> in Hebrews chapter twelve. In verse 1, it says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, and what went before this in Hebrews, there's a whole, it's kind of cool to read if you haven't read it before, is it talks about all the people who by faith did great things for God. You know, that it's by faith, it's by trusting God and having faith that there are signs, miracles, and wonders that come to pass. So it's kind of got you know, all of these, by faith Moses, by faith Joshua, all these people that are awesome, uh, people that believe God and that saw great miracles. And then after that, it finishes with, in Hebrews 12 and verse 1, it says, therefore we also, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, meaning that there's so many people that have a witness of their life with faith, it says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, And let us run with endurance the race that it set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Okay, so I kind of want to go back because there's a lot in what we just read here. So for one, it's kind of interesting because talk about your life It's comparing it to a race and keeping your eyes on where you're going. And that to live our lives in a way, like, think about it. This is not, it says a race, not jogging. You know, you think about, what do you think or comes to mind with race? If you're racing, you want to win. If you're racing, it's something with intention that you're putting energy into, that you're training, and you're looking to the finish line. God wants us to look at our lives that way, that our lives just don't meander going around like in week one, if you were here for the Live Your Vision, where our lives are just kind of going in circles. That's what most people's lives look like. But God says our lives count, that they matter, that he's given us life and gave us his son so that we can live for something that has meaning and purpose. 
God wants our lives to matter. And everybody matters. Every single person here is one of a kind and is irreplaceable. We taught last week that you are God's masterpiece. To start seeing ourselves that we are God's masterpiece. And to be thinking in terms of vision, of keeping our eyes to where do we want to be in life. That's really what the theme of of this whole vision is. What do you want to see? Where do you want to go? What do you want to look back at your life and not regret and to say, this is what, my life was about something that mattered, that meant something. So in a race, it also is interesting. There's a lot of things that relate here. It says, lay aside every weight. If you're running a race, what are the things that weigh you down? I mean, you can't win a race if you got excess baggage. They usually go way out of their way to have even what their clothing is to be as lightweight as possible because the people that run competitively, even the slightest change in, in what you're wearing makes or breaks those final seconds in a race. So it's say, if you're going to run, you can't be bogged down with things that don't matter that are holding you back. Think about that in terms of vision. So it's saying to lay aside every weight and the sin. Because guess one of the things that hold us back? There's a couple ways that this means something. One is sin. Everybody thinks sin is good stuff. It's not. <laughs> You know, it's kind of funny because the word sin actually means missing the mark. Sin is anything that screws your life up and makes you miserable. So it's saying, for one, the actions and behaviors that are destructive or missing the mark hold us back from running the race. That's one piece of it. But then on top of it, guess what? It's the consciousness of sin that's been paid for by Jesus Christ. If you, if you live in shame, without allowing you to receive the cleansing Jesus Christ already gave you, that's weight too. Shame, guilt, condemnation of saying, I'm not good enough, I'm not worth it. That holds you back too. That's the sin that holds you back as well. There's twofold to that. One, the consciousness of sin when Christ already paid for it. We want to go, no, my Lord Jesus Christ paid for that sin. I don't need to pay for it anymore. And I also don't want to be stuck in any more new sin. <laughs> I want to live in such a way. And, you know, it's funny because in Romans it says, because it's grace. Because in Romans, it's an awesome book of the Bible. It, it goes over and over. It's grace, grace, grace. You don't have to do it. You don't have to earn it. It's grace. Because somehow people always go, it's grace, but. And the reason they do that, because somehow they think the message that Christ paid for the sin will make people just want to go sin. You can. I mean, the message really is you can. You get to. But then it says, well, the sin is the stuff that hurts your life. So you just, at this point, you don't want to do it for you. That should be the reasoning. You don't, it's not that we stop sinning because God will like us any better. He likes you the same right now. There is no earning his love. Christ already paid, Christ paid it. We don't have to keep living in the shame and the guilt. The choices we should make are because he's already paid the price that we want to live free and live better. It's, you know, it's like, um, it's funny what this friend of mine said. Uh, he was in college and um, he didn't write the final paper and they were going to flunk him. And 
he like begged his professor, please, please, you know, give me a, um, let, let me count as a drop. And the professor's like, oh, it's too late. He said, I'll tell you what, I'm going to give you an A and go write a paper that's an A paper. Yeah. He said, that's what I'm going to do. And because it was, and the guy said he, he put more energy and effort into writing that paper than he ever had in his whole life because the A was already given to him. And he just, you know, that's grace. That's the grace of God right now. God's given you the A by cleansing you from all sin and unrighteousness. So what we want is to have it stir our hearts to say, I want to live for that. That just motivates us, you know, to that we're that we're free to want to live bigger and live more. So let's go back to this chock full verse, all kinds of juicy stuff in here. So lay aside every weight, the things that's bogging us down and the sin twofold. Like I say, this the living like we still got to pay and not accepting that he paid the price, as well as not just getting stuck in things that keep weighing us down again, like, you know because it weighs it down. And it says, let us run with endurance. Think about what that means as it relates to your life. What would endurance mean for how you live life? Just think about that. These are things too, questions you can write in your notes. You know, you've got notes. And then also in the program, we have places to write notes. If you're old school, we have pens and notes there. But think about, because I want you to be thinking in terms of vision, because the Easter and what Christ did can really help us to get clear on where we're going and what we want to live for. So maybe think about what are the things that are holding you back? What are some of the weights? That might be something to ponder on for a meditation. Also, what it would look like to live your life as a race instead of a jog. And what would it look like to run with endurance? Endurance means also you keep hanging in and don't quit. The race that's set before us. And who do we look to? At the Jesus. Our eyes are on Jesus. That's where we're looking when we're running this race. I'm telling you, you want to live life bigger for your vision? Keep your eyes on Jesus. You'll live bigger than you ever dreamed possible. There is no way to live as big as living for Jesus Christ. So keep our eyes. That's why we want to keep our eyes on Jesus. It says, and look to him for many reasons, but it says he's the author, which is the beginning and finisher of our faith. So what faith is about, Jesus started what represents our faith and what our faith is about, author and finisher. And then look at the example, for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Now, do you think of joy and cross together? Joy, cross. We tend to think of joy as being just happy, something superficial. It's not. It's not like he was smiling on the cross. He was at Gethsemane and three times asked God if there's any other way. He, he asked God three times, is there another way to do this? Because he knew what he was going to go through. The crucifixion was the worst possible torture that there was. It was for slaves. It was for the worst criminals. It was degrading. Besides just being physically excruciating, it was degrading. 
There are so many. It's really interesting because there is no event in the Bible that is written more about than the crucifixion of Christ. The resurrection's like a little blip comparatively. So why would that be that God, it's kind of interesting, you know, um, because there, it's the shortest period of time and there's chapters and chapters and chapters of all this detail about really a period of time, it depends on how people look at it, of a couple days. Now, including in the Old Testament, you've got Psalm 22, all about the crucifixion. Isaiah 53, all about the crucifixion. There's like volumes in the Old Testament. Jesus Christ had read in the Old Testament really specific details of what was going to happen to him. So when he was in Gethsemane, he knew what he was in store for. The scriptures in the Old Testament said that he was going to be beaten, that you couldn't recognize he's a human being. So he would have looked like roadkill. He knew those scriptures going in. So you can imagine him asking God, is there another way? But three times. But he was willing. So that's what I mean is it's still he had joy in why? What was it that for the what was set before him? The joy that was set before him. What was that joy? The joy was you and I getting saved, getting born again, having Holy Spirit, having a connection with God, having a relationship with God. Because for thousands of years before Christ's death and resurrection, people had no Holy Spirit. It was just the prophets that had a Holy Spirit on a condition. I was thinking this morning as I was praying and having Holy Spirit that we can talk to God. God can talk to you. You are born again, it says. You have Holy Spirit. You're a child of God. And heaven, you're heaven bound and all hell can't stop you from going. That was the joy he was looking at was for you and for me. He saw all of us here today. He saw the vision and said that we were worth it. That was the joy that he endured the cross because he had to endure the cross. The cross was not a cakewalk. But that's what kept him going. So talk about vision. Talk about making a difference. Talk about having an impact, having your life matter. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God, right? Amen. Amen. Woo, let's go. Um, so think about what this means in terms of for you. Because he gave up his life. It wasn't taken. He could have had, it says, he could have asked 72,000 angels to come and God would have sent them. Because God said, Gave Jesus, Jesus had free will. He said, don't you know, I could ask 72,000 angels and walk off, but he didn't. So in light of this, because he gave his all for us, does that give you a reason to make your life count? Does me. I want that to live in my heart. I never want to be callous to what he gave. I want to live for him. I don't want my life to just meander where I'm 85 and go, what 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 I do with all that time? What happened? You are worth it. So what I want to do, I want you to take, I'm going to have a prayer and I want you to be thinking about some things and I'm going to take time to pray, but 
What I want to do, if the ushers can pass out the communion, we're going to do uh, communion today, but I want you to hold on to the communion cup. I'm going to pray, and I want to have, because I want it to be something that you have an opportunity to meditate on, you know, to just really be thinking, we'll be praying together, to really allow this to touch you, and to allow you to have something to take away of really how the life of Jesus Christ can inspire you. So just take the cup as they're passing it, or there's like their little combination, like uh, grape juice and wafers together. So just take it and hold on to it. I'll tell you when, because I want it to, I want to just have a time where you really connect with Christ and what he gave and the significance of the message of Easter and that it can help you to have a vision for your life, to see your life bigger, to see your life is worth it, that your life does really matter. Because that's what, and I want you just to be thinking right now about some of the things that God's stirring in your heart from just hearing about that. Because what is it speaking to you? What is God speaking to you if you think right now of Jesus Christ and the message? Oh, actually, you know what I want to, I didn't finish reading the verse. I should read that too, as we're doing that. It says that for the, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. It says despising the shame, which is interesting because there was shame in the cross in the way that he died. And so, um, he thought little of it. It's sort of, that's sort of what that means. And has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That, yeah. He went through a lot, but you've got to think about it. He is now sitting at the right hand of God because he got up. He is risen. Amen. Hallelujah. He is risen. He didn't stay crucified, didn't stay on the cross. He got up and is sitting at the right hand of God. It says, for consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. So we think about him and what and how he endured. And that helps us not to get weary or discouraged. Do you ever get weary or discouraged in your vision and running the race? You have not yet resisted to bloodshed. <laughs> Striving against sin. If you ever need to tell yourself something, there you go. Well, you know, it's tough, but I haven't, haven't been crucified. So it's, uh, but to keep our eyes on Jesus and that it was worth it. That, that all he gave that we want to make our lives count that what he gave for us, that we do something with it, you know, to pass it along. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray. I want you to meditate a little bit, and then we'll take the communion uh, together at the end of the prayer. And we have a song for you in that. So, oh, my dear Lord Jesus, I feel grateful. I feel so grateful, Lord. It's been amazing having a relationship with you. I feel so thankful that on February 11th, 1973, that you became my Lord and Savior. And that you blew my mind that you loved me unconditionally. Just the way I was, even mocking you, that you loved me enough to give your life for me. Help 
each and every one of us here to take that in right now, to take in that it's okay that we fall short. We're going to. We do have sin nature. That there is nothing that we have to do to deserve your love. That you do love us right here, right now. You see our darkest parts. The things that we wouldn't even want other people to see. That you see that and you love us unconditionally, Lord. Help us to take in that unconditional love of yours. Help us to keep our eyes fixed on you, Jesus, in the race in our lives, in our own life's vision. To keep our eyes fixed on you. That we do matter, that we're valuable, that the greatest price ever paid was paid for each and every one of us. That when we're putting ourselves down or demeaning ourselves, that we remember that you paid the greatest price and you said that we were worth it, that you loved us that much, that we are loved unconditionally. Help give us a picture, and I want you guys just to think right now about how you could be clearer in your vision and what it would look like in looking to Jesus as the author and finisher of your faith in your life of just praying and asking him for clarity to just reveal to you that we are all one of a kind in our gifts and our abilities to help him reveal things that will help us clarify having a vision for our lives and a purpose for our lives. What are the things that we can be throwing off or casting off right now that are holding us back, that are weighing us down to just pray and ask God if you're not clear to show you, to show you places you don't even realize are holding you back and are weighing you down and ask for help because it was in our weakest moment that you died for us. So you can give us life now. You saved us so we could live and live for you, that you came to give us a life to the full in every way. Help us, Lord, to appreciate your sacrifice, to take it in, to take in the love that you've given us, and to commit our ways to you. So I pray for this, and each and every person can see you bigger in their lives today. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.